You're listening to TechNest, the PropTech Podcast. In each episode, you'll hear from PropTech founders, investors, and industry veterans on how they're using tech to change the way we buy, sell, and invest in real estate. Discover market opportunities, interesting data, growth tactics, and trends driving the industry forward. This isn't just another podcast about making money in real estate. This is about how we live. And now your host, Nate Smoyer. Hey, Noam. Welcome to the show. Hey, Nate. Thanks for having me. I appreciate uh, you coming on the show. I know we had to go back and forth a little bit to make this happen. Busy schedules. Busy people out there. Yeah, in different it's like time zones. The, it's the uh, it's the wedding season for conferences. I, I call it so. It's it's a busy time right now. Yeah, which conferences are you going to right now? Where have you been? So I was at the Rizzo conference in San Antonio, and mm-hmm. then I just came back from uh, DC. The NAR had their um, their convention there, and then we've got Vegas coming up. We've got Inman. We've got Blueprint, um, and there's a, a few. Oh, in Atlanta, Apartmentalize. Wow. And which one are you looking forward to most and why? I like Inman. Um, I like that one a lot because uh, you, you do get a lot of the who's who coming in there uh, of the you know the tech industry, the brokerage industry. And it's a nice way to kind of sidestep the gatekeepers and uh, find a way. I like to try to find different ways of getting in front of Robert Rifkin or you know CEO of uh, EXP or whoever it is. And mm-hmm. that's a good place. They're all in kind of one room. There's not a lot of places to hide. Yeah, I'm trying to think of who I was talking to recently. And this is a pro tip for all the founders out there. But man, I can't remember who it was. I don't remember if they told the story on this show. So it's kind of escaping me. But they, they, they I think it was Inman. They just found out, like, it might have been, it might have been a different conference, but they just figured out, like, which floor the, the green room is on. And they just hung outside the, the elevator yeah, that, the whole time. That was me. That was, that that was you. That was me. <laughs> yeah, it was Inman at uh, the first Inman. I, I was lucky enough to be on the stage to speak uh, for, like, the new kids on the block. And so I re- realized that they put you in the green room, and then there's kind of like a little side alley outside the green room, and that's where all the big, you know, speakers go. So, for the rest of the Inman event, I just kind of stood in that alley and picked off people. But then in Inman, New York, uh, yeah, I, I hope people at Inman aren't listening because I'm, I don't know if they'll like this, but I just stood in front of the elevator right when they finished getting off the stage. And I was literally doing elevator pitches on the elevator to all the big CEOs and I uh, was able to get a little FaceTime with them. I love it. I love the hustle. Now, Noam, you're on the show here. We're going to talk about your company a little bit called Rent Base. It's a solution that, as you could describe, is helping agents, brokers automate the leasing workflow um, as well as discovering sales opportunities. There's kind of two pieces to this. And so let's go ahead and jump right in a little bit. I want to talk a little bit about this. Um, first, starting from the top, how many how many tools right now does the average leasing agent have in their tech stack just to do their day job? So when I was a real estate agent, I was an agent in Boston for over a decade um, over time, I would say I was probably using like five to eight different tools, whether it was, you know, a credit check, uh, tool, then it was a DocuSign, um, Excel, um, 
we'll call pads of paper, uh, that a tool as well. That was a big one for me. Um, and so there was just so many different, uh, calendar. I mean, pretty much every single thing I needed to do, I needed a specific tool for it. And there was mm -hmm. no one solution that really helped me. It was, it was actually the, the biggest pain in the butt ever to, to do rentals, uh, as, as hard as rentals are than to have to do it like through pen and paper and Excel and Airtable. Mm -hmm. man, when I found out about Airtable, it like blew my mind away. I was like, this is the greatest thing ever. Uh, but it, but it still needs like a little bit of, uh, adaptation and automation in it to make it work for you. And I am unfortunately as least tech savvy a person as you'll meet. Non-tech founder, uh, yes. leading a tech company. How does that work out? Where, where did you find the, uh, the resources or the knowledge to really get up off the ground then? So I, you know, I guess I can, uh, well, first of all, you need to get a really good tech, uh, CTO. You need to get someone who's amazing at that. And I lucked out and I got probably one of the best in the business I could grab. Um, he was one of Zillow's original first hires, first technical hires. Uh, he was there for 16 years. He pretty much touched on and helped build nearly every single, uh, product in Zillow. And, uh, at some point he after 16 years kind of felt like he had done as much as he could be, you yeah. know, and wanted to expand into a, a bigger role. And I was introduced to him by an investor and, and we just hit it off. And so, um, that's, that's that part. He's able to understand, I know I can kind of explain to him, like, I really want something to do this and that, and I'll draw like stick figure, uh, solution and we work on it and iterate. And then, uh, you know, it, it, to me, I also, I don't feel like I'm rewriting the wheel. I'm not mm -hmm. building like a metaverse. I'm just doing what I thought I really wanted and wished I had as an agent that just to me seemed obvious and simple. Um, and then, you know, he puts in the, the, the smarts and the, the AI and all the cool buzzwords. He does that. <laughs> all the cool buzzwords. I mean, it's a little bit more than that, especially these days. Cause I think there's, we're, we're finding more and more there, there really is real. AI as part of something, but you guys have only, you, you started rent base in 2020, correct? Right. Okay. So what did you start with? Because there's multiple tools and, and you cover quite a large piece of the customer life journey, if you will, for, for renters, mm -hmm. right? So that the agent can do their job best. Uh, but where did you start in building out tools? So it started you know, in the beginning, it really just started with uh, helping pre-qualify the leads and building a little bit more of an automated way to qualify my leads. Because um, when I first started, you'd post a listing on Craigslist and you'd hope to get, you know, five, 10 leads and try to close one of them. Um, that was before Zillow. Then Zillow and Realtor mm -hmm. and Apartments.com, they kind of busted open. Uh, the whole issue with leads became instead of needing leads, you had too many leads. I'd get 50 to 100 inquiries within 24 hours. And the mm -hmm. make or break of a, a real estate agent is using their time wisely to close a deal as soon as possible. So if I have 50 leads, I need to make sure that I'm only working the ones that are the highest probability to close a deal. So I would have to do a really good job pre-qualifying them. That means asking, you know, again, it, it seems trivial, but these are questions that over time, like you realize you have to ask, um, when are you looking to move in? Because they, they call you on a June rental and they're yep. looking to move in in August. Do you have yep. any pets, must-haves, deal breakers, things of that nature? There's a lot of different questions. Mm -hmm. It's like a 10-minute phone call. 
And so we automated that. And just by doing that, I using, you know, eating my own dog food, I saved around 15 hours a week in the wow. span of like six months time frame, just qualifying them through rent base. After that, we, you know, we built out the listing management tool, um, a little bit of the CRM to follow up and to keep track of all your leads and your landlords. Um, but, but always the, the leads aspect was really the low hanging fruit that agents and the renters really liked the most. And so mm -hmm. we doubled down on that, um, because one of the things I felt I, you know, had a little bit of a niche as an agent was being able to turn my rentals into sales. So every year, a past tenant, you know, I'd try to keep up with as many of my renters and figure out when they're now looking to buy and then be able to say, okay, now let me help you buy your home. Mm -hmm. Or in that prequal uh, conversation I was telling you about, I would have one to three times a year where having that conversation, I discover that, uh, or I'd educate my lead to realize that buying is more relevant for them than renting. And so instead of looking to rent a $2,500 rental, they'd, we'd end up pre-qualifying them for a sale and then buying an $800,000 house. And so that aspect is what we've been building the last year, um, especially with the, the bringing on of the um, uh, Srinivas, the CTO, building out that algorithm and really understanding and nurturing those leads into sales so that if an agent's going to do a rental, it's got to be worth their while. It's got to, you know, the ROI has right. got to be really strong for them. And so it's not just that one rental commission that's a nice check. It's nice to have, but it could turn into another rental or even better, it can turn into a sale and to not leave that money on the table. Uh, I, I believe agents are, you know, probably around $30 billion are being left on the table because they're not focusing on rentals and all the opportunities that rentals it's bring. total you. commissions for like what all available rentals. Correct. Right. Total yeah. market commissions out there. Wow. Uh, have you ever, uh, if, if someone comes to you and like, yeah, we're thinking about buying next summer, but it's January. They're looking for a January move in, right? So clearly that doesn't line up with the 12-month lease cycle. Do you do you try and like, do you get them into a two-year lease, but then try and negotiate them out early to, to get the transaction? Is that worth your while as an agent or does it not work like that? Well, I, I always just you know, saw challenges and I was like, if it was, if that's hard to do, then I'd be like, Oh, this is exciting. Let me try it. Um, I, I just am a little bit of a different beast. I, you know, I, I'd find little challenges, you know, sometimes even if I knew I was going to get a deal and they wanted, you know, their budget was $3,000. I, and I was going to get the deal. I still would try to shoot for 2,900 and just, you know, beat down the price a little bit just cause it's, it's more exciting that way. But in your question, mm -hmm. I'd probably go for an 18-month rental, um, you know, probably not do a, a full two-year. And in many cases, landlords want to be on the summer cycle or spring cycle. It's to their benefit. Yeah, yeah. So if they didn't know that, I would explain it to them and then say, okay, let's let's get them in May or June and um, and go from mm -hmm. there. So and then are you thinking about that with like every new renter? If it's like, okay, let's find out when they want to buy, if they want to buy. And then you're kind of putting that in – at the very start, you haven't even signed a lease agreement, but you're kind of at the start qualifying, like what's the future value of this customer as, as an agent, was that automatic to you in asking and discovering those kinds of things? Uh, not necessarily in the beginning. I just wanted to do a really good job and, and, you know, get them in a home and, and kind of, uh, 
oversell what they, you know, my promises. So again, if they like, we want a $3,000 rental and I got them their home at 2,900, you know, that was my goal. After that, if I did a good job, I, I, I thought that they would, you know, come to me for referrals or come to me when they wanted to buy a house. Um, that was kind of the intention is just do a really good job. Then I realized, you know, it, it, it's not even their fault if they forget a year down the road or two years, they rent for two years and then they're ready to buy. If I haven't contacted them, if I haven't, you know, stayed top of mind with them, they just won't mm-hmm. remember no matter how good of a job. Um, they, you know, they, they'll be like, that guy, what was his name? It's, it had a lot of vowels in it and, you know, they would not remember to call me. So then I realized it's do a really good job, but also then maintain the contact and maintain that, uh, those touch points because that's how you can then turn them into a sale. And, and yeah, for the most part, if, unless you're working with college students, um, they are going to turn into a, a bigger commission. I mean, I think it's around 64% of renters say they're going to consider buying within the next three years. Um, and so, you know, mm. there's, there's money to be had. And that right now the, the demographic, the biggest demographic of renters as happens to be the same demographic that's going to be first time home buyers in the next three years, which is millennials. So that to me is if I, if I market and get some millennials, uh, you know, in my, in my rent based pipeline, I just know do a good job. And the money will show up. I've got I've got two things. One is an anecdotal story here. I worked with an agent for renting for the first time when I moved to Chicago. Because we were moving from the Northwest to Chicago. This was when mm-hmm. I joined up uh, with Avail to take over marketing there. And uh, I, I got a hold of an agent. I, I gave her criteria. And I said, look, I'm going to be at work. But my wife is going to be available. And can go around and look at a few units with you. And... At first, I mean, she was stellar. And then she went out of town. Like, it was like, I'm going out of town and didn't really hand us off to anyone else. Just kind of was like, well, you just figure it out from here and then let me know so I can write the lease agreement, which then became a whole, like a literal disaster because then the other agent on the unit that we wanted was like, well, I don't work with agents, but I'll allow it. And then neither one of them had any screening software. So I was running myself oh, through no. a veil to provide everyone with the documents I needed. And then I was the one using uh, HelloSign and PDF Escape to mock up the lease so that like the fields were correct and the original contract had like, no kidding. The, the listing agent sent us a previously executed contract. So the previous renter, it had all their information on it. Ugh. She emailed it to us. I was Ugh. like, this is... It was it was all over the place. But the, Did you the get a commission out of that, this? I mean, you should have gotten paid or something. It I should have gotten paid, right? And, and I didn't. In fact, I paid for my own screening. Oh. Um, <laughs> and but but the thing is, the first agent kind of rated out to mediocre because it started off really good, and she helped us find the unit. Just di- didn't have to close. And then the listing agent we worked with, who represented the the owner, was so miserably bad. I actually remember her name. And but so unbelievably, miserably, unprofessional and terrible. And yet she was that she was like the agent for that building and everything was so backwards. And I was like, no wonder this unit couldn't rent. It blew my mind that this unit couldn't rent and that the price kept decreasing. It was just it, it was wild to me. And it, it, But when you talk about like remembering agents, like there has to be something that's memorable. And it just if it's going to be one thing. I mean, if you're mediocre, like it's very easy to forget someone. And if you're just 
any other side of the spectrum, it's very easy to remember. So, if, you know, even if the experience is really smooth and just kind of flows through and feels natural, though, I think it's easy to remember or to forget someone. You have so many things going on. So you, to your point of like just keeping in touch would would be so much unusual. That in alone would be unusual. Yeah. Uh, and, and neither of those agents tried the, the, the first agent she did, she did, she actually asked for a review and I told her I wouldn't feel good. In, I wouldn't feel good about what I'd have to write. Cause I'd have to be honest. Best I don't review you. Yeah. And I was like, you know, don't think this personally. It's just, it's not going to be a good one. And yeah. I was like, you know, be honest. It's probably best. I don't publish that. All but right. You I want to get on to uh, what you were talking about though. Your, yeah. Yeah. Your story though is very common and people listening here all have at least one, instance where they're like i had such terrible renting rental agents and i've experienced it to the 10th degree working with different real mm-hmm. estate you know different agents forget real estate agents, just agents in general but when it comes to rentals yeah there's um you know it it can be uh uh you know pretty pretty ugly out there and in terms of the service and the quality and i try to make rent base elevate those agents, uh, kind of idiot proof the agents in many ways where we can, you know, even, even just in the qualifying, there are so many landmines that you can step on as an agent, fair housing questions that you're not allowed to ask that agents don't know any Mm -hmm. better or are just not asking at all and taking renters out. And it's to the detriment of the renters as well. They are going to a place wasting their time because the agent didn't ask the right question, you know, and it's, it's, uh, you know, if you go to a restaurant and they ask you, do you, anyone have allergies? Like that's them doing a good job to make sure that you don't eat something that you're allergic to. And with that agent, you have to ask, do you guys have pets? You know, simple things so that you don't have the renter fall in love with the apartment and then say, great, let's, you know, let's sign the lease. And then the lease, it says no Mm -hmm. pets allowed. And you're like, but what about fluffy? You know, so that's, those are things that we try to automate. Yeah, I mean, you'd be surprised when we moved to Nashville, which was 2018, uh, 2017 maybe, uh, I flew down on a day's notice when we decided we were moving because my wife needed to start her job in two weeks. <laughs> nice. So, so I just flew down on a day's notice, took an overnight red eye. First place I went to look at was a little dirty, not well kept. And so I decided to decline. I told the agent, you know, I don't think this is going to be the place for us. And her response was, I was surprised that you guys were looking in this neighborhood. <laughs> I was like, pretty sure you're not allowed to say that. She doesn't know she's talking to someone who is a licensed real estate agent. I said, yeah. I said, what do you mean? You don't have a lot of young married couples? And she goes, no, you guys don't really fit into this neighborhood. Really? And I, I knew what she was implying, yeah. right? Because it was a very it was a heavily hispanic neighborhood mm-hmm. i was like okay but i was like those are like this is not like 50 years ago it's right. still a thing where agents feel comfortable in saying that and even still when i've talked to agents and i'm like i know you can't say certain things about the neighborhood but really what's it like around here at night i'll say that because i i can ask that question and i do want an honest opinion but i also know that the agent should decline in answering that question right right and they never right. do they always yeah. answer it every single time, every single time I've, I've done that with either renting or buying. Um, but that kind of, well, I'm leads not going to find you. Don't ask me to find you a house mate. Cause I, uh, <laughs> I, don't, I don't, I'm, I'm scared of you now. I'm going to ask you questions that get you to lead, let your guard down. So sure. I can get the answers I need, but it, it, it may not be what you need, but you need to be saying, but that leads me to this though, is like, and it sounds like the answer may be no, but I don't want to assume no is what have you discovered when talking to agents about, 
their standard operating procedures or SOPs. And if agents don't often have them or not good, how is rent based working to really help solve for that problem without necessarily telling the agent that, Hey, we're solving for your standard operating procedures. Cause I don't think anyone leads with that as a value prop. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I've asked, uh, I've spoken to agents over the years, kind of all across the, the country and, you know, I ask them, what do you guys use right now for like, what's your database for your listings? You know, how do you know which properties are coming up? How do you know which one you've rented? Like, where is that information, the, the landlord's information for that property, those kind of things. And I've gotten some really incredible answers. Like, um, you know, besides just pen and paper, some people are like, Oh, my email, that's my inbox is my, my database, my CRM. I just kind of wait till the landlord emails me and says it's going to be available again. And then I search their name and I try to find what was their property that they owned and, and what was it oh my for. Gosh. So, I mean, they're, and these, it's not that they're bad agents. It's that they have bad technology to support them. Um, I, I really tried to avoid, building rent base. I did not want to go down that road if I didn't have to. And so I tried every single CRM, every single platform out there that I could get my hands on and demo before we started rent base. And the only issue was that the the sales agent or, or the demo call, they would stop it halfway through and be like, listen, you're just going to churn and I don't need that for my numbers. We're not what you're looking for. Uh, so like, don't even, let's not even go forward with this. Like you're not, this is not what you're looking for. And, um, you know, I appreciated their honesty, but it, it just made me more and more aware of how much, uh, how much data and how much information is needed to, to be successful in rentals and how little was out there for it. So, um, you know, the management was one part, but then what I realized is agents, I mean, more than anything, they they do want to do sales. And I understand that every agent wants to get a $10,000 check than a $1,000 check. And that makes sense. Uh, problem is they're spending so much money on different, you know, lead gen and, and trying to buy ads and, and close those deals where I was able to do almost $30 million in sales out of my rentals because I had an organic built in mm-hmm. lead gen pipeline from my renters. If I, if I, um, nurtured them correctly, if I farmed that correctly, however we want to call it, then I could make money from them. But I just didn't have enough time in the day. I didn't have the bandwidth. Like I, I was working like seven days a week. I was very single at the time because I had no time for anything else. And so I could do that manually, but um, it's just not the right way to do things. Not today anymore. Like there's the technology is too good out there, and um, there's just no reason to have to sift through the way I did. Yeah. Well, I mean, let, let, let's bring that to the current market conditions, right? And I mean, obviously real estate can have its ups and its downs. And we've seen just, I mean, we're, we're seeing really extremes of what the real estate market can throw at us and it's bizarre, right? We've, we've doubled interest rates in less than a year time and price appreciation is, it's not as aggressive as it was, but it's still up year over year. Um, it's not over, it's not up from last year's peak, right? but we're still year over year. <clears throat> Shout out to Altus Research. That's, I mean, I look to every single Monday from from Mike on Twitter and, and his uh, reports here. But, you know, so we're, we're seeing these conditions, but we're not seeing the, 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 the number of transactions is down. Transaction mm-hmm. volume is way down on new purchases. 
people are still renting though. They have right. to live somewhere. Does this is this a time where agents really need to evaluate? Do you think the market conditions will move agents to have to work with renters more often? Uh, I I do. I think it's kind of a perfect storm of you. You need to survive, and if you want to thrive in this market, you have to focus on rentals. Now, it's not even a question of of maybe. I mean, rentals are at an all time high. Over forty percent, or nearly forty percent of the country is renting versus buying. It's an increasing trend. Um, to your point, sales volume is down. I was speaking with different MLSs and. Um, you know, anywhere from 25% to 90% down year over year. Um, and so there are now, and now is and, that depending on which market you're in? Correct. Correct. Yeah. Oh, Some 90, of the markets, that markets had any, with 90% transaction volume down. That's right. Because you had that crazy uptick from, <laughs> My, you know, the, the COVID. Is, and that, people, is that Miami? <laughs> um, no, I don't think it was Miami. Actually, it was, uh, Miami's Miami's going to be okay. They're still going to take a dip. I think but like, be fine. when you, it be yeah, it, it's kind of like you know, we, it's like people are like interest rates are really high. Like they are from the all time low, and so yeah, things are going to drop from an all time high of sales, and, and that's going to happen. But agents, yeah. you know, I think agents they're they're closing you know anywhere from like ten, eleven on average transactions. But if you're going to cut that in half. That's half their yearly salary. And where are they going to make that money? Well, the from? average agent was only making, what, 85 grand a year, a W-2, or not W-2, 1099. Right. wasn't even net. But it was that's 85. I, I thought I read 54, but that's, that's Is great. It? Oh, that's... I, thought it was, I thought it was higher than that, but I could be wrong. It, we'll meet in the middle. But either yeah, way, you, when you cut that in half, uh, you cut anyone's salary in half, that's, that's a really difficult pill to swallow. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... You know, the other thing we're looking at is, is listings. So it used to be, you know, used to be as in like six, uh, six, seven months ago, buyers weren't buying. They were saying, I, I can't handle these increased uh, rates. So I need to rent. So their agents now had to focus on renting them apartments. But, you know, at least they had their listings. Now listing agents, listings are going down at a higher rate than ever in terms of going off market or uh, being canceled or simultaneously being put on MLSs as a rental. So listings that, you know, it, maybe the owner is like, I want to sell it, but shoot, I want my neighbor's price that he got a few months ago is not going to get that price. They've got mm-hmm. incredibly low, uh, they've got like a either no mortgage or a 2% on their mortgage and rate rental rates are so high. The rentals, the median rent is at an all-time high as well. So they're not going to sell it. They're going to rent it. They're going to make great cash flow. And now agents who are listing agents have to also be doing the rentals. Mm-hmm. Uh, so whether they want to or not, they're going into the rentals. The ones that are are seeing that that's where the money is going and are hedging by getting into rentals now, they're the ones that are going to survive. They're not going to be that terrible stat of like 87% of agents that fail in their first five years. That was a stat you know, a couple of years ago. Imagine what that's going to look like now with the market being where it is. Yeah, I uh, every once in a while I flirt with the idea of like maybe I should go back to selling real estate. I do. I I've, I'm a glutton for pain. It's yeah. I'm not even gonna lie to you. Like those first six months was horrible doing that, and then like yeah. something clicked, and then I only did it for eight months because we moved. <laughs> but <laughs> but but I mean, you know, like I think about it, and then I'm like, man, 
maybe this is the worst time. But also, I always always think it's like it's got to be the best time. It's got to be the best time. Hard I'm with you, yeah, definitely I'm with you on that. But if everyone else is experiencing the exact same pain, then it's probably something down to just pure execution and systemized and standardization. I can't help but believe, you know, dialing in a niche and becoming known for something, even if it was rentals in your area, if no one else is focusing on it, it's got to be a significant opportunity to corner some of the market. A hundred percent. I mean, I started my real estate uh, career in, in 2008. So just, you know, peak Talk amazing. Oh yeah. Just the worst. And everyone was, you know, like, oh, you're in real estate. Oh, is that really bad? Oh, like, you know, that was the first thing was, oh, you're in real estate. And I'm like, <laughs> actually I'm, I'm loving life right now. Cause I was doing rentals and I was, I was really crushing it because everyone else that was just banging their head against the wall and, and trying to get that sale and doing REOs. Yeah, it was awesome, man. It was great. Like I was closing, you know, at one point I was doing like you know, fifteen to twenty thousand in a month in uh, rental commissions in my first year, like first few months on the job, <laughs> and other people were struggling really hard to get their sales, and I, you know, I felt for them, but you know, the water was warm and they didn't want to jump in. I was like, all right, I'll just, I'll just be here by myself. I'll do the rentals. Like you stay away. <laughs> I'm fine with that. I like that. Well, I was warm. I'm jumping in. All right, I want to get to one more thing before we move on. Sure. I want to get back to the the you know nurturing your database from renter to buyer. Okay, so we kind of simplified this, right? So being in touch. Okay, but what what does that mean? What is what is rent based doing differently than other platforms or tools mm-hmm. that genuinely is helping cultivate these leads, which you know, as you, as you know, especially if they're first time buyers, they can be anywhere from six months to 24 month lead mm-hmm. time before they're genuinely ready to pull the trigger. So what are, what are you doing differently to really give the agent the advantage to win that deal? Well, it, it does start with, you know, having the benefit of some experience in this. Um, you know, I ate, slept, breathed rentals for, for so long. Like when other agents would kind of graduate out to sales and drop their rentals off, I never let them go because I saw them as such a good moneymaker. Um, and so having that experience of, you know, I don't even know how many thousands of leads I've qualified over the years, building that into our, we call it the rental passport, the pre-qualifying tools, mm-hmm. um, that gives us the right baseline data that we need. And then we enhance that data throughout uh, throughout the year. There's different touch points. There's different information that we collect, you know, secret sauce wise throughout that year to enhance that data. Um, and then also with third party data um, sites that we can take that and kind of build a profile of this is what it looks like when you are a renter that's looking to buy. And you're right. It might not be, it's not always going to be that, you know, in the, the, they rent one year and the following year, they're going to, all of them are going to buy. It could take two years. It could take three years, but it compounds. So year two, you might get those first, I call it kind of like the, the foam on the top, the good rental leads that, uh, in, you know, mm-hmm. I would be able to turn them on that first phone call into a sale. You'll, rent base will discover that for you and there'll be a low number, but then Last year's renters, some of them will convert, and then that, that goes into that year. And then the following year, you've got two years ago, plus last year, plus the foam on the top. So the more you're doing rentals, the more that flywheel is turning, the more you're going to be able to get additional sales. You just don't need to – this time, you don't need to give up your rentals once those sales come in. I love it. I love it. 
Yeah, so cash is king. Here, data is king. Or data is cash. Data is cash. Cash is king. Cash is time. Time is money. Money is data. Is that... <laughs> I love it. I think we're. I think we've, we can build a rental. We've, we've got it. nailed it. Done. Yeah. Sold. <laughs> All right, Noel. We're gonna shift in here to bottom segments of the show. Uh, first one here, I like to call is for the future. For the futures, when I get to ask each guest who comes to the show to give their best predictions based on the following four questions. All right, Noel, are you ready to play? Let's do it. All right. Question number one: What does rent base look like one year from now? Rent based one year from now, uh, where we're going, there are no roads. Um, no, where <laughs> some listeners might get that. Um, for a year from now, you know, I, I'm hoping that our team is going to be at least double, um, and we are looking to continue to expand into additional MLSs. Uh, we do have uh, a few large brokerages in the pipe where um, at least a few of them a year from now, rent based will be their rental concierge tool. Their their qualifying uh, de facto tool so that um, renters and agents will be able to kind of seamlessly go through the whole, what are you looking for? Uh, What, you know, make sure that they go to the right apartments uh, on time. All right. Number two, which will leasing agents prioritize more in the coming years? Time spent leasing new units or reducing costs? to leasing new units? I mean, it's kind of along the lines of uh, our recent wrap that time is money. So it, that's a, that's almost semantics to me. Uh, you know, it's, if you reduce your time, you're going to make a lot more money. That's just how it works. The more time you have in real estate, the more money you can make in it. Um, if you're reducing your costs, it better reduce your time. If it's not, you're not, you can reduce your cost, but you're not going to be making more money. So the net effect is not really there. Um, I guess if gun to my head, you know, reduce my, t- reduce my time. There's no violence in this show. Okay. Uh, There's no okay, coercion. Uh, no guns uh, to heads. Um, <laughs> I don't know what the, what a nice version of gun to the head would be. Um, you know, cake, cake with the right answer would be uh, reduce the time, I think, for me. There are no wrong answers in For the Future. It's just oh, your prediction of where you think favorite classes we're... I took in college. There's no wrong answers. <laughs> All right, third one here on For the Future. What's one industry trend you think will continue, but you wish would go away? At some point, I think it's going to go away, but I did, and I, I'm starting to see it kind of wane a bit. Um, that was self-touring uh, and, and I say this with love because I have some friends who are building great, great companies. Um, but the original thesis was like, you don't need an agent to go see a rental. Um, and for me, it's a little bit, it can like a little bit re- reminded to, um, like, uh, I buyers, you know, where that hasn't really panned out as, as everyone thought it would be. I think you mm-hmm. do need an agent, especially when it comes to rentals. Um, you need that that touch. You need that kind of insurance of having a real estate agent there. I've got for another podcast uh, really, really crazy stories of uh, seeing places and being with different uh, interesting clientele. So uh, I don't I don't recommend just allowing anyone into your house through you know a, a phone and an app. You know, it's interesting you would say that because I I earlier today tweeted out an article that 
I read it last night and then I thought, eh, you know what, this might be a good one to put out. And and so the title of it is starting a prop tech company still a good idea. <laughs> and and the, the premise here from the article is, you know, about a lot of uh, the, or, or like the, the idea here is, and it actually says the startups uh, themselves and prop tech aren't blameless for years. They've been promising to remove those pesky middlemen is what it says in this article. And uh, what's interesting is like Todd Carpenter, you know, formerly from uh, NAR, leading Second Century Ventures, like he commented and he's got an article that kind of talks a little bit about this. Like the, he has an article called The Long, Slow, Beautiful Grind of the Real Estate Revolution, you know. And then recently Jeffrey Berman uh, put out a piece, you know, and in and, and a lot of his angle on this topic itself was, you know, what VCs overestimated about prop tech startups, about mm -hmm. like the potential oh, cool. to, you know, and he leads Camber Creek. And then even, uh, I thought I saw this a while back when someone commented, you know, saying that Rob Hahn also put out a piece similarly to this of like, you know, there's, there's the, yes, the side of like, can prop techs grow as fast as everyone has predicted, but it's the middleman piece. Mm -hmm. And uh, about a year ago, we went through this at Obi. We, we, we sat down and we started talking about positioning and mes messaging. And I was there for not even two months at the time. And our head of brand, uh, who's awesome, you know, Grace, and she comes to me and she was like, hey, we, we should, really shouldn't talk about removing the agent. Because we had the, some of this old copy. It was remnant copy of like, mm -hmm. you know, no no tedious paperwork and, and no back and forth with agents. And we're like, hold on, agents aren't the enemy here. A lot of people really do genuinely want to work with an agent. They want to work with the quote unquote pesky middleman. But a lot of times it's the technology that the agent has access to or the tools or the standard operating procedures that don't exist that right. leads to the bad experience. It's not the agent. The agent provides a lot of like confidence and trust and reassurement and like sanity check. Mm -hmm. Whereas if you're self-touring, you're kind of left to your own imagination to that. And that in of itself can lead to, you know, indecision. It can lead to poor decisions, right. you know, uninformed decisions. So I kind of, I, I kind of tend to agree. Uh, and I'm more and more leaning and learning uh, even myself that, you know, real estate may not be best as a checkout transaction for like the majority of people out there. There's still right. a fair amount of personalized service that offers a lot to people. Yeah, I don't know if it's a great analogy, but like if you, you know, look at restaurants, like a great restaurant, yeah, the food is 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 wonderful and we'll call the food uh the house, but the service, you know, the 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 um servers or or the mm -hmm. the chef or the people at the front door, they make that experience so much better. And if you say to them, yeah. you know, you can't uh automate or, or ai like what do you what's best on what do you like on the menu you know when you ask a waiter that and and you get an honest answer and and then you yep. get the meal that you were looking for and maybe they steered you away from the meal you thought you wanted to go into um yep. or, or even they say to you, you know, i love when they're like no no don't order that trust me order this one so you know <laughs> a, a real estate agent that does a good job in the service is yeah. kind of telling you no 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 you don't let's not go to that apartment um, you've told me you're looking for, you know, upgraded amenities, this and that yep. let's go to this one or sure. We'll see that one, but only if you let me go show you this one as well. I love it. All right. Last one here on forward the future. What's one thing you believe will dramatically change or fade away in real estate as a result of tech advances. 
Uh, self-touring. <laughs> and I won't tell you in which direction. <laughs> I'll let you guess. All right. Okay, no, we got three more questions. These are so our listeners get to know you personally just a bit better. Sure. First one, what are you reading? Uh, what am I reading? Um, might sound a little bit different, but 10K reports. <laughs> I've been really getting into some 10K reports. I find them... Uh, I find them really interesting and there's always some good tidbits in there that I, you know, especially the real estate ones uh, I like to dive into, but, uh, I, I've actually heard you ask that question before. I want to change it up, uh, to give someone, can I tell you what I'm watching right now? Sure. Go for it. So jury duty, that is my, I've heard about this. Oh, it's so good. And, and that's my release when I'm having a stressful day, short episodes, but it's a great, Great, funny, and and different type of show. So, uh, between reading 10K reports, I'm watching that. Solid. Next one here is who are you learning from? Um, a mutual friend of ours, uh, Ryan Kuhn, the CEO of Avail. He's someone I've known for for some time now, and he has been an amazing, amazing uh, guy to to just you know touch base with and. You know, even down times, uh, good times. Um, and then uh, other people in the industry that I've just been fortunate enough to meet and guys like uh, Dave Conroy from the NAR, um, mm-hmm. you know, different mm-hmm. CEOs. I think CEOs, they're uh, people that, you know, I've gone on pitch battles with and, and we've become friends now on the uh, on the conference circuit tours. Uh, those are people that I think are are awesome to learn from. Yeah, and you know, I think Ryan is maybe one of the more underrated CEOs in our industry. Um, you know, they were early in their idea. Uh, I still think Avail, we were way underfunded and we punched way above our weight. I'm biased in that <laughs> opinion, of course. <laughs> yeah. But and, and I know I know how the sausage was made. <laughs> um, but that also like is one of the reasons why I have a very similar view and thoughts for Ryan, uh, as just one of the hardest working but smartest in the industry, I think way underrated. Um, and also one of the nicest dudes you'll ever meet. So oh, yeah. Too. yeah, yeah. He he commands a presence for sure. It's just because uh, he's yeah. really tall, okay? As a short <laughs> yeah. guy, I I I take offense of <laughs> that. That just really tall. <laughs> but yeah, he is real nice. All right, last one here. What inspires you? What inspires me? Um, oh, um, like money. Just tons and tons of money, obviously. No, um, just, please don't edit that out. Um, I, obviously, <laughs> that's a joke. Um, what inspires me? I would say, um, not to be too sappy, my wife uh, is a big inspiration to me. She's... An incredibly smart, but just mentally such a strong and very patient person. And she's married to me, but she's just got this mental strength that I envy and and try to aspire towards. Um, you know, especially being in in as an entrepreneur. You know, you're. I think Ryan actually was saying it's like it's one of the loneliest jobs in the entire world, um, and and it has its ups and downs and. Um, just mentally, you have to constantly lift yourself up, and I I aspire to be to, a little bit more like her because she's she's got that, you know, in in droves. Very cool. Noam, this has been great. I really appreciate your time. Thanks for coming on the show, sharing about rent base, but also getting into the nitty gritty of what's happening with real estate agents, opportunity in leasing, and then taking renters from 
just renters, nurturing them, becoming buyers of tomorrow. Before we close out, uh, for those who want to get in touch with you and or learn more about RentBase, where do they go and how do they do that? So you can go to rentbase.com. Um, or you can, uh, you can also email me if you'd like, uh, if you can spell my name correctly, it's N like Nancy O like Oscar A A M at the rentbase.com. Love it. There it is. Now you have it folks. Uh, Noam, I'll see you at uh, blueprint in Vegas. Nice. We got to catch up. We got to get great. there. Looking forward to it. Same Until here. then we'll, we'll see you later. All right. Take care. Man. Thanks for listening to TechNest, the PropTech podcast. Find all the links and resources mentioned in this episode on technest.io. You can get future episodes delivered to your ears directly by subscribing to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and all other major podcast apps. Follow TechNest on social media to stay up to speed on new developments, resources, and announcements in PropTech. Your support is greatly appreciated. There's two ways you can directly support this podcast. Share episodes you find interesting and then leave a review of the show in the App Store. From Nate and the TechNest team, thanks for listening.